the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. Please pray with me. Dear God in heaven, we ask you to join us here in this place this evening, and we trust that you have kept your promise and are here with us. May my words now be your words and all of our thoughts your thoughts. We ask this in your Son, our Savior, Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. When Michelangelo thought of Madonna, he thought of the faithful Mary, mother of Jesus, holding her son in his arms, in her arms, just moments after he was taken down from the cross. Madonna della Pietà, Our Lady of Piety, more commonly known simply as the Pietà, is the name of one of his most famous sculptures. Madonna and Child, as a title, is the name of dozens of great works of art, often paintings which depict Mary holding the Christ child in a scene of tranquility and love. When I hear the name Madonna, though, I think of someone a little different. The Madonna who first pops into my mind was born Madonna Louise Ciccone in 1958 in Bay City, Michigan. When I think of her, I don't think of a stable or a manger or tranquility. Honestly, I think of underwear and plastic surgery. And until I looked it up, I would have bet my house that her name had been changed to Madonna for artistic reasons. But no, she was actually named Madonna at her birth a word which means my lady, and has referred to Mary, the Virgin, Mother of Christ. The connection is too perfect. If you Google Madonna and child, like I did this week, the first two results you'll get are, one, an image of the painting, Madonna and child, by 14th century Italian painter Duccio, and two, a story titled, Who are Madonna's Six Children? from the New York Post. But both of these Madonnas share a story, and it's a story perfect for Christmas Eve. Mary, the mother of Jesus in her real life, and Madonna Ciccone as the first person character in her song, Papa Don't Preach. Now both of them are young girls seeing a guy but who, before it seems at all appropriate, in other words, before either is married, find themselves pregnant. What are they to do? And it's in their reactions to their situations that we get two very different pictures, one of faith and one of faithlessness. And we heard about Mary's reaction to her situation on the fourth Sunday of Advent which should have been about a week ago, but was this morning. Mary's response 
to the angel's announcement that she, a virgin, will conceive and bear a son is, here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Papa, don't preach, on the other hand, is true to its title. The whole song is about Madonna going to her father to confess, but asking him not to preach to her. Mary and Madonna have opposite responses here. The angel comes to make an announcement to Mary who responds with the equivalent of preach it. As in, keep going, bring it on, let it be with me according to your word. But the last thing Madonna wants to hear is a sermon. And as that word is commonly used, who can blame her? You may be sitting here listening to a sermon right now, and you may even claim to be someone who likes listening to sermons. But when was the last time you used the word preachy in a positive way? It's never happened in the history of the world. That movie, that commercial, that song was so preachy, I loved it. (laughs) This is because we do not associate preachy with preaching the gospel or sharing the good news. We associate preachy with judgment. That's what Papa Don't Preach is all about. Papa Don't Preach translates to Papa Don't Judge Me. And so Madonna, from Michigan, not Nazareth, is going to her father and asking him not to judge her. Papa Don't Preach. There's a great moment in an episode of The Simpsons where Homer picks up a copy of the Bible only to put it down moments later with a sigh. Sheesh, she says, what a preachy book. (laughs) And Homer's not alone. This is what most people think of the Bible and of church. That's how they think of God almost all the time, too. And it's why when people get in trouble, they tend to say, Papa, don't preach. Please don't judge me. There's a picture that pops up online around Christmas time every year, which shows Santa Claus with the words works one day a year above him. And below him, it says spends the other 364 judging you. This is funny, but it's exactly how people think of God. You know, sitting up there in the clouds with the long white beard, always looking down to see how we're measuring up to the example he sent us, Jesus Christ. And so it goes, with the result being that when most people think about God most of the time, they feel pretty bad. That's what Homer says after calling the Bible a preachy book. He says, Everyone's a sinner. But there's something about this one night, isn't there? In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. 
To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And then the multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace among those whom he favors. When the shepherds understand what is happening in the sky above them, when they see that a heavenly being is arriving on the scene, how do they react? They're terrified. They assume that the arrival of God, or something like him, must be the arrival of judgment. They're saying, Papa, don't preach. Remember Isaiah's prophecy that we read on the first Sunday of Advent. He wondered, if we ask God to come down and fix things, won't that mean he has to get rid of us sinners too? Does that make the arrival of God a bad thing? That's why the shepherds are afraid. They're in the presence of holiness, and they know that they are not holy. But there is good news. Do not be afraid, the angel says to the shepherds who are quaking in their boots. You're wrong about what's happening here. This Jesus has not come fundamentally as a judge. He's not just going to be the guy who looks at your life and shakes his head, really wishing you were doing better than you are. No. The angel says, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. On this night, The angel doesn't say a word about examples or measuring sticks. Not one word about what would Jesus do. He makes no mention of the law or the requirements, the rules. Those things are real and true, and we don't shy away from talking about them. But the announcement on this night is simple. You're afraid And I have good news for you. A Savior has come. The angel has aimed his announcement at people who are not holy. This is an announcement for you. Are you breaking the law? Are you coming up short of the requirements? Are you not following the rules? I am bringing you good news of great joy, which will be for all people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. And now I have to give you the full Simpsons quote. And the reason that The Simpsons is, or at least was, such a wonderful show. Homer picks up the Bible, puts it down, and says, Sheesh, what a preachy book. Everyone's a sinner. Well, except for this one guy. He knows. And that's what we're celebrating tonight. The coming, the arrival of that one guy, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, into the world. This incarnation, Christmas, is about 
God coming to us and us not having to fear his arrival. When we imagine a God sitting up there in the clouds, we imagine naturally a God who is waiting for us to struggle up the mountain to get to him. I'm right here, he seems to be saying, just get to work. Climb that mountain of righteousness, that mountain of being a good father, that mountain of loving your neighbor, that mountain of being a loving wife, and get to me. I'm waiting. But that's not our God. That's not the God you have come to celebrate here tonight. Our God does require those things, and we do strive to achieve them, but in the face of our failure and our sin, our God comes down and came down in the form of, of all things, a human infant, one of us, to identify with us, to live our life, to reconcile us to God. Christmas is what makes Christianity unique. Every other system of thought, every other philosophy, every other religion constructs a situation in which people have to do good things in order to achieve closeness with God. So in effect, every other religion is Santa Claus. Making a list, checking it twice, finding out who's naughty and nice. Christianity alone has a God who comes to you before you do good things, or more accurately, to redeem you in the midst of your failure to do good things. So how is it that we, you and I, here on this Christmas Eve, how is it that we can turn from Madonna to Mary, from Papa don't preach to Papa please preach, from Papa, don't preach to, here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. We do the very simple things that Mary did, which is just to trust that God keeps promises. He promised Eve way back in Genesis 3 that through childbearing, a Savior would come. He promised through Isaiah, we read it tonight, that to us a child would be born, to us a son would be given, that his name would be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Isaiah went on to say that he would be pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities that upon him would be the chastisement that brings us peace, and that by his wounds we would be healed. And just by believing that it's true, by trusting that God keeps his promises, we are turned <coughs> to faith. That's what faith is. Simply believing the promise. And it's that promise kept that we celebrate at Christmas. When we sing joy to the world, this is what we are joyful about. When 
It came upon a midnight clear. This is what came. Almighty God himself arriving on earth. And the first words that attend the holiness of God's arrival are, do not be afraid. We are a people like the shepherds on that Christmas Eve night all those years ago who are prone to misunderstand the sermon. We're like Madonna, the one from Michigan, and we've gotten in trouble. And we want to say, Papa, don't preach. Don't judge me. But we misunderstand the sermon. The shepherds try. Papa, don't preach. What does the angel do? He starts preaching, but he preaches a real sermon, a sermon full to the brim of good news. Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. Now that's a sermon. Good news of great joy. A Savior has come. You will no longer have to fear the approach of Almighty God. Now it's true. You're not worthy. No one here is, you or me. Yes, it's true. You've gotten yourself in trouble. Every one of us here. But you need not fear. Instead, remember God's promise. Let a preacher tell you, Papa, please preach to me. Tell me again that God is coming to save. So let us be people who remember this good news all 52 weeks of the year. This will certainly be a place that proclaims it. Jesus Christ is not Santa Claus. He does not work one day a year and spend the other 364 judging you. It's certainly true that based on the quality of your life and mine, we ought to be judged. Indeed, we will be justly judged. The Bible is a preachy book. Everyone's a sinner. Well, except for that one guy. Jesus Christ is the incarnation of God. His loving kindness sent down from a God who does not wait for you to get to him but who on Christmas came here to save you. You will be judged, yes, but because of Christmas, because of Jesus' real life as one of us, there's a good sermon to be preached. Good news for all people. You will be judged on account of Christ's righteousness not your own sin. Because of Christmas, you, even you, can be saved. Indeed, Merry Christmas. Amen.